0: That's a hard act to follow. <laughs> if you are wondering why on earth there's a bottle of uh, wine and milk at the front, hopefully those verses are a bit tingy, I think. Am I a bit tingy? Uh, hopefully those verses will explain. This is... Um oh, good morning, by the way. Uh, this is Jammy Red Rue, uh, Yellowtail wine. It's um, very fruity. It's one of my favorites. Um, I'm no wine connoisseur. My brother is. He had some the other day. He said, Matt, that tastes like Ribena, <laughs> which is fine, because I like Ribena. So, and, and this is Tesco's um, milk. Right, so um, come to the front uh, if you would like to buy this wine and this milk without money and without cost. There we go. There we go, there we go. That was easy. If you buy something without money or without cost, it's a gift. Well done, Rob, for getting that gift. He deserved it for coming out to the front. It's a gift, and we're gonna be looking at gifts today. Before we look at that wonderfully read chapter of Isaiah, um, I just wanna give you a bit of context. You see, Isaiah was a prophet. He lived about 700 years before Jesus. Now, you might already know that. What you probably don't know is that before I was an engineer, I too was a prophet. Yeah. Um, Sadly, I I got the sack from that job. I didn't see that coming. Sometimes you just got to give a little time before people work out that that was a joke. The Old Testament prophets were people that spoke on God's behalf to either individuals or nations, and they would remind people of the past, they would speak about the present and comment on it, and they'd give warning or hope about the future. And. The words of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, is a book that speaks both warning and hope. And if we could have our first uh, slide, please, Annabel. So Isaiah is split into two halves, chapters one to 39 and chapters 40 to 66. And the first half of Isaiah's book is about judgment. It's a warning. And Isaiah is warning this people of Israel that due to their continuing rebellion against God God is going to judge them through the peoples of Assyria and Babylon who are going to carry this nation of Israel away into exile away from the land that God had promised and given them and because you and I have got this gift called hindsight which is a wonderful gift we can see that that actually happened the second half of Isaiah is one of hope and the hope that Isaiah conveys to the people of Israel is that one day God will reconcile this nation of Israel back to their home which with the gift of hindsight we know happens what I'd like you to see today is that the book of Isaiah is kind of a micro version of of the whole Bible story. So if you could have a next slide, please. You see the whole Bible, that's this, which is all 66 books, of which one of those is Isaiah in the Old Testament. The whole story is one of warning and hope. If we could have the next slide, that would be great. The first half is a message of the law it presents God's rules for living this is how you're designed to be this is what I intended as your creator and it reveals the truth that we just can't reach those standards the second half reveals God's plan the good news the gift of grace of how God has met our needs So, in this sermon, I'm going to be talking at different levels. I'm going to be talking small picture level, that's Isaiah speaking to Israel, and big picture level, which is the Bible speaking to humanity, you and I today. Okay? So, two levels, small picture, big picture. Is that okay? If it's not okay, tough, because that's what I'm going to do. (laughs) Have your Bibles open. Isaiah chapter 55. little word search to make sure we're reading from the same chapter. So, um... I'm going to read out a word, say a word, you're going to tell me which verse I'm uh, reading from. Okay, so the first word is come. First one. Listen. Two. To. Seek. Six. Seek. Six. Turn. Thank you. Have joy. Have joy. thank you peace 12 as well great thank you so next slide please so here we go come and listen seek and turn have joy and peace a three-point sermon you can't go wrong with one of those thank you Annabelle very much so come and listen Isaiah is uttering a message of hope and fulfillment an offer that will satisfy this soon-to-be exiled nation of Israel. Come, if you're thirsty, come to the waters. If you're hungry, free food. I think we've got to pay for food after the service. Uh, Is it come? (laughs) The street vendor hasn't turned up. I'll just keep on preaching until it does, shall we? (laughs) You will be very hungry then. This is an invitation to receive a gift. And it's not the kind of gift that you guys get for Christmas that by Boxing Day you're bored of or have forgotten. No. This is a gift that satisfies and is essential. I.e. something that you want and something that you need. See, food and water are both essential and satisfying. And I've heard the water here is particularly satisfying. <laughs> that was an in-joke. You might, you know, I'll explain it afterwards. Um, is Isaiah talking about physical food and water? Well, if you read verse 2, it says, Your soul will delight in the richest of fare." Some translations say, Your soul will delight. So the word you, the way it's been translated is slightly different. Your soul will delight in the richest of fare. And in verse 3, it says, Come to me, hear me, that your soul may live, or that you may live. Isaiah's message to Israel is this, your souls are searching for satisfaction. I'm going to say that again because I love alliteration. Your souls are searching for satisfaction. Your soul has needs and God is offering to meet those needs. And what's more, it's a gift. Back in Exodus, God had made a conditional promise to Moses. He said, follow my instructions and I will bless you. But Israel, the people of Israel, failed spectacularly to meet their side of the covenant, the promise. And so this first half of Isaiah is warning them of the consequence, judgment, which will lead to exile. But here's the good news. God, through the words of Isaiah, foretells of this new everlasting covenant that will be fulfilled by someone of the line of David and where is the old covenant the old the message in the Old Testament was conditional this new covenant would be unconditional and it would be fulfilled by this servant figure sometime in the future whose sacrifice would bring people back to God The details of this figure are dotted throughout the Old Testament. There are about over 300 prophecies and predictions of what this figure, who this figure would be and what he would be like. In fact, two weeks ago when Katie was preaching on Isaiah 53, there is detailed description about this figure. We'll come back to that in a moment. So great for Israel, they're going to be reconciled to their nation that they... Uh, Were promised. But what's the big picture? That was a small picture. What's the big picture story for you and for me? Well, it's fairly clear, isn't it? You and I have needs too. What is it that you need the most? What is it that you and I need the most? I'll tell you what it's not. It's not that girl or that boy or that car. It's not the promotion that you've been working so hard for or the holiday that has been postponed and postponed and postponed. It's not the perseverance to lose the weight you think you should lose or the discipline to climb out of the debt that you have incurred. It's not a closer circle of friends or an amazing church to be part of. It's not freedom from physical or mental sickness, addiction, fear, depression or worry or being reunited to your estranged family. All these things are important in their own way and to various degrees, but they don't represent your biggest need. Yet, have you noticed how often we exhaust ourselves chasing after these things that ultimately do not satisfy? Career, power, money, family, relationships, and as we tick each one off, our souls remain thirsty and hungry. You see, our souls are still searching for satisfaction. And there is one thing that every human being desperately needs and ultimately wants, whether he or she knows it or not. This need gets to the heart of who you are, And the heart of how you have been designed to be. Your biggest need and mine is a satisfied soul resulting from a fully restored and eternal relationship with God. You see, you were created to live in worshipful community with Him. Our lives are meant to be shaped by love for Him, and we are hardwired. To live for his glory. And you'll find that if you're living in a broken relationship with him, you're missing the primary purpose for your entire existence. The means for restoring this relationship is a gift. It's a gift from God. This soul-satisfying gift is revealed by Isaiah and numerous other prophets in the Old Testament. And whilst Isaiah was only able to foretell what this soul satisfying solution would be, we come from a position of having the gift of hindsight because it's revealed in the second half of the Bible story. And the revelation of this figure is not someone who promised temporary physical restoration and satisfaction no this is someone who promised eternal spiritual restoration and satisfaction this is God's amazing gift of grace Jesus Christ you see Jesus himself said this I am the bread of life he or she who comes to me will never go hungry and he or she who believes in me will never be thirsty. Here's the satisfaction we're talking about. He also said to this, said this to in the book of Matthew, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll add in brackets, of chasing things that do not satisfy, and I will give you rest. So you've come and you've listened. What are the second two words? Point two was what? Seek and turn. Thank you. Verse six, look at it in your Bibles. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. So despite them going to be in a foreign land, the people of Israel would still be able to seek God. The one who brought them out of slavery and into the promised land in the first place. But, there is a but, it needs them to forsake their ways and turn back to the Lord. But there is a promise of God's mercy and pardon. In other words, a restored relationship if they turn back to God and forsake their wicked ways. That's the small picture. What about the big picture? How does the message from Isaiah speak to us today? Look, when it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found, it doesn't mean that God is like a supermarket special offer that's only around for a bit, and when it's gone, it's gone. God is forever. God is eternal. Now, the problem is, when you're gone, you're gone. There is a sense of urgency here. After all, how many of you here can guarantee to me that you will be here on this planet this time next year? Or this time next month? Or this time next week? Or tomorrow? Life on earth is short and precarious. And in our lives we share this common problem with the people of Israel. We have wandered off course. And like them we put things in the way of this relationship that satisfies our souls because you and i rebel against god and his perfect design for us the bible calls this sin and the word sin is kind of trivialized by society today but it's a very serious word indeed sin does two very significant things to us all first of all it causes us to insert ourselves at the centre of our lives, making life all about us. It's all about me. And in this kind of self-focus, we're all too motivated by our wants and our needs and our feelings. And consequently, we tend to be more aware of what we don't have rather than the many blessings that we have been given. And because... We are self-focused, we tend to be scorekeepers, constantly comparing our piles of stuff and our situation with the piles of stuff and the situation of others. And believe me, social media has not made this constant comparing any easier. It leads to a sad life of envy and discontent. The second thing that sin does to us is it causes us to look horizontally at something that can actually only be found vertically. So we look to creation, to things, to other people for hope, for our peace, for our rest, for our contentment for our fulfilment, for our identity, for our meaning, for our purpose, for motivation, just to continue. But there's a problem here, because creation can never give you these things. Sure, people, things, a great sunset, an amazing mountain scenery. It can make you feel good and happy for a period of time. But creation was never designed to satisfy your soul. Instead, creation was made to be one big finger pointing towards the one who alone has the ability to satisfy your soul. Friends, the truth is sin in all its forms, shapes and guises and believe me there are a lot of them. It makes it makes it impossible for us to have the one thing that satisfies our souls, a relationship with our Creator. This big picture story laid out here lays out the dire consequences of us wanting to live life according to our own rules. And in essence, us saying to God, I don't want you telling me what to do, leave me alone. Well, the truth is, if you say that, God does just that. His just judgment for our rebellion is to cut us off from him, permanently. Imagine eternity separated from the source of light and life and all good things. Friends, falling under God's judgment is a terrible and scary proposition. To say this is bad news is the understatement of the sermon. All of Israel face God's judgment for their rebellion and all of us can expect the same. But Israel had a choice and so do we. You see whilst the bad news is awful, the good news is awesome. God did not leave us to suffer the consequences of our own stupidity and selfishness. He did something to save us, the one foretold by those Old Testament prophets the gift of Jesus. And unlike Israel and unlike us, Jesus didn't rebel against God. He always lived under God's rule as designed and so did not deserve death or punishment. He was perfection itself, full of compassion, unhesitating in speaking painful truth and a deep love for everyone. And yet, he did die an unnecessary death. The Bible declares the incredible news that Jesus died as a substitute for rebels like you and me. This is the good news. The debt that we owed God, Jesus paid by dying in our place. He took the full force of God's justice on himself. So that forgiveness and pardon might be available to us. Friends, we don't deserve this. This is the generous gift of God. This is grace. Getting what we just don't deserve. Come and listen. Seek and turn. And finally, have joy and peace. You shall go out joy and be led forth in peace the mountains and the hills will burst into song the trees of the field will clap their hands I love the figurative language here you can just feel it in Isaiah's words you get the message don't you Isaiah is prophesying if you seek him and turn from your ways Israel you will enjoy such joy and peace you will be coming home to where you belong what you will enjoy and experience will not be of human or earthly origin god will enable it you will be restored you will be fulfilled your souls will be satisfied what a marvelous promise instead of thorns and briars i'm in verse 13 now These are plants representing desolation and uselessness. There will be juniper and myrtle. These are plants representing beauty and usefulness. And all this will ultimately lead to God's glory and renown. What a lovely message to the people of Israel. So what's the big picture story of the whole Bible? Well, the Bible is indeed a story of restoration and reconciliation and indeed victory over our greatest obstacle death and separation from good from God for Jesus's death did not end there three days later he was raised to life an event witnessed by hundreds of people And his resurrection shows us that death is not the end. There is life beyond the grave. Jesus is God's gift of grace to humankind. And the entirety of the Bible story is either pointing forwards towards Jesus or recounting the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Or is looking back at his life teaching and promises which changed people's lives. And like many people here, my life has been transformed by Jesus and I can give testimony about the peace and joy that is promised to all of those of us who seek and turn. Let me share an example, have any of you heard of the Holmes and Ray stress scale? Uh, you might have done, actually, but you don't know it was called that. It's a measure of how certain stressful situations are. Um, and whether or not these stressful situations are likely to affect your physical health. So, for instance, exams are stressful. Yeah, moving house is stressful. Relationship breakdown is stressful. The most stressful, the, the, the event that scores 100 out of the score naught to 100... Can anyone guess what that stressful situation, life situation might be? Death of a spouse. Um, and for those of you who don't know, my wife died four months ago. She was a wonderful woman. Many of you know her or knew her. A few hours after she died, I wrote a WhatsApp broadcast to a lot of people. Put your hands up if you've got the WhatsApp. Okay, like quite a lot of you. So you will know, I'm not lying here because you've got the electronic evidence, that this is what I wrote. This is what I wrote. There is also a deep peace in our hearts and in our house. A peace that I cannot really explain, except that it is not of human or earthly origin. I share this story with you not to boast about me but to boast about the promises that God has committed to, that truth of those promises. And I also share that story because if you don't know the peace and joy that comes from being reconciled to God, well you can. You see it's a gift. A good gift might be one that you want or need. A great gift is one that you want and need but the greatest gift is one that you want and that you need and just don't deserve and that is what the grace of God is. Grace is about God reaching into the muck and mire of our sin broken world to rescue us. Not because of what he saw in me or in you, but because what was and is in him. Grace is why God sent Jesus into the world to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. To transform us from what we are, rebellious sinners, separated from him, into what we are becoming. Part of his family, forgiven, restored, purposeful, and full of joy and peace. And it is only the gift of God's grace that makes this possible. So, come and listen, seek and turn, have joy and peace. I'm going to end my sermon there, but I'm going to leave the final words to the words from my lovely late wife. Um, Before she died, she wrote some letters. One was to her friends. I have an electronic copy here. If you'd like, if you haven't seen it, and you'd like to read it, do come and ask me, and I will send it to you. Caroline was someone who lived for others. And so typical of her, her letter wasn't about her. And, it comes as no surprise that she didn't sign the letter with her name. She signed it with two Bible verses. And these Bible verses at the bottom of her letter kind of take us back to the start of my sermon. And I'm going to just conclude there. And hopefully I can hold it together can hear my voice going. <laughs> so uh, these are the two verses at the bottom of her letter. And I'll, sh- I'll share it with you if you want it. Jeremiah 29. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Thank you for listening.